free guy. Always have been, always will be, including now that it's pretty clear he's going to be gone. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers, which comes your way every Monday through Friday, bright and early in the morning. Yeah, I had a naive hope that the team could find a way to at least approach Bud to at least be able to say, hey, here's here's the best we can do. But when word emanated from South Water Street yesterday that the Steelers won't be using the franchise tag on anybody, that supported the public statement from three weeks ago of Kevin Colbert saying much the same, and there it goes. If you're not doing franchise tag with Bud, you're not keeping Bud. Simple as that. And so I got a little sappy, a little reminiscent about the the time that Bud had in Pittsburgh, which I feel should be celebrated every bit as much as it was criticized early on in his time here. Because there's very much a lesson to be learned from all that for a lot of people not just those of us on the outside. Bud, when he was uh, a rookie, I don't remember exactly what stadium we were in. We were somewhere on the road. And he was sitting on one of those stools in the middle of the room. You have to understand the way a locker room is structured in the NFL. When you're early on and there's a lot of people, uh, it's preseason, there's a lot of people in the room, the veterans get the actual stalls, places to hang their stuff. And the rookies just sit in the middle on a stool. And Big Bud on a small stool is a pretty striking sight, no matter how you break it down. (laughs) But here's Bud. And I went in. I had an immediate gravitation to the guy, like as soon as he showed up his first year with the Steelers. And I walked up to him uh, after that game. And he looks up with that big smile on his face and goes, how'd I do? And I go, Bud, you played hard, man. You played hard. And how he actually did was exactly what you remember from back then. Bud's hair was on fire. He'd blow through anybody and everybody, and then he'd be 10 yards downfield for some reason while the quarterback executes a routine pass. That's how he did. But I didn't have the heart to say it to him, plus I'm not exactly his positional coach. So I just, Bud, you played hard, man. You played hard. You did good. But you know what? He did play hard, and he did beat the man in front of him relentlessly, endlessly, no matter who it was. The only issue was whether or not he'd eventually learn how to zig when he needed to zag, that he'd slow down when needed, that he'd use techniques to get inside people just as effortlessly as he would go to the outside and cause problems, joint problems, with T.J. Watt coming from the other side. And then, of course, a couple of years ago, it all came together. Everything that we'd been hearing the Steelers internally, most vocally T.J. himself, say about Bud, came to pass. They kept saying, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You don't understand. We're looking at the film. We see how close he is. We see the damage that he's doing up front. 
the numbers will come. And by that, of course, they would always be referring to the same numbers everybody else was, and that was sack totals. And Bud started piling up sacks, and then Bud and TJ together started piling up tons of sacks and tons of pressures and tons of hits, and then forcing tons of takeaways as a result, whether it was forced fumbles or down-the-field interceptions. Nobody was better than the Bud-TJ combo. Nobody was better than the Steelers' defense in this specific regard. And that's the result of a lot of people maintaining faith in what mattered most on the football field and not just about sack totals. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our new partners at FuboTV. If you're paying around 200 bucks a month for cable, as most of us do, FuboTV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels with an emphasis on sports, and now including... AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh, meaning you can watch all the Penguins games, all the Pirates games, and you've basically lost all your excuses to hang on to cable. For our listeners only, go to FuboTV.com DK to get 15% off your first month. One more time, FuboTV.com DK, 15% off your first month. If you'll recall, the criticism, the chief criticism of Bud was that he was Jarvis Jones Part 2. Oh, don't deny it. You said it too, and you thought it and everything else. Look, there are times it crossed my mind. And the irony of that is, Bud was the polar opposite of Jarvis in every way. If the Steelers were guilty of anything when they drafted Jarvis, it's that Jarvis was undersized for his position and couldn't handle the challenges in front of him physically. Jarvis had all the brains, all the savvy, all the everything. And it didn't matter because Andrew Whitworth would just eat him alive. Or other left tackles built like Andrew Whitworth. Not that there are many. And you wouldn't even know Jarvis played. Do you remember that? That wasn't Bud. Bud was going right past everybody. There wasn't a left tackle that could stop him. The problem was that Bud couldn't contain himself either. You know, he'd just be running right past everything. He was one of the easiest edge rushers for quarterbacks to beat because all they needed to do was take one step forward in the pocket, and there was Bud, gone, the wrong direction. But Bud got better. Bud was patient. He was humble. He learned not only from his positional coaches, not only from his D.C., but also from T.J. himself. The two of them communicated all the time in every setting, including settings that we could actually see, meaning reporters, out there on the practice field. There is not a jealous bone in either one's body. T.J., knows and will openly acknowledge that Bud is the superior athlete. And Bud knows and will openly acknowledge that TJ is the superior football player, and neither of them cared. To them, it was all just tag team. It was one thing. Bud and TJ, Bud and TJ. What a great thing that was to watch. What a great thing that was to cover. I'm here to appreciate that today. 
Bud was not one of those people who tuned out the media or social media. Bud knew what you were saying about him. Bud knew that people thought he was a bust. Bud knew all about Jarvis Jones. And while he did acknowledge that it motivated him, it was always with a big, big smile on his face. He never allowed it to knock him down. You know, you hear a lot of times uh, athletes, I'm going to prove this and I'm going to prove that, and they have a big snarl on their faces when they're saying it, and maybe it seems like what it is that they're doing they don't really enjoy even when they're succeeding at it. Not true for Bud. Bud would sometimes get so happy on the football field that he did these ridiculous celebrations for which I gave him much grief, I should share with you, where he'd take the quarterback down and then he'd face the north end of Heinz Field and think, all right, what does TJ do? Well, TJ does that cool kicking thing. Well, I can't do that, so I'm going to do this. And then he would do like these three or four completely nonsensical things. And I'd be, after the game, I'd be, Bud, what were you doing here? He goes, I don't know, man. I was just so happy. <laughs> I was just so happy. I was so so glad to make that play. Oh, Bud, you got to work on that for next time. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's all good. One of my favorite people to cover, uh, one of my favorite stories to watch blossom, and I'm going to say this again, he's a lesson. Not everything comes to everyone right away when they make it to the NFL or to any of the top levels of sports. They're taught one way in college to fit one system and one coach's expectations. In some cases, especially when you come to the Steelers in a 3-4 defense, you show up and you're playing something that you're not even familiar with conceptually. And it takes time. Not everybody is TJ. TJ shows up, even though he'd only been a defensive player for a couple of years at Wisconsin, and it was just immediately just a house wrecker. I mean, he was just destroying everything. And so we think that's how everybody is. It's not. It does take some players some time. And it requires the patience not only of the player, but also from those watching him. Because what you can do in the process is, is just bury somebody prematurely. And that's, that's a bad, bad environment for a fan base to generate. Yeah, everyone turned around when Bud started producing sacks. But we also could have listened when everybody most notably TJ was telling us that what they were seeing on film and behind the scenes was a player who was this close to greatness, this close. They would actually count up the number of times Bud would get his hand on the quarterback without getting the sack. They counted those up and they'd show them to Bud and they'd say, you just keep doing this. These are going to turn into sacks. Keep following these principles and these techniques, and those will turn into sacks. And they did. And when that happened, to the fan base's credit, so did the sentiment regarding Bud. But patience can apply uh, across the board. 
And that that doesn't just go for first round picks. It it goes it goes for the Mike Hiltons of the world too, you know? Uh, it, it goes for the players who are undrafted, players who are late round picks. Sometimes they blossom too, but you gotta give them a chance. And sometimes you gotta trust the people who are telling you that so-and-so is going to be really good because it's not all just smoke and mirrors. It's not all just puffing and, and building somebody up. Bud was the real deal. Bud was the real deal all along. I wish him absolutely nothing but the best. First and foremost in his health and getting that knee back to full strength. I have no doubt that he'll do that given his determination and resolve. And I have no doubt that he'll succeed in a big, big way wherever it is that he ends up. Good, good football player. Better guy. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. Time for just one question. If you'd like to leave one, you can do that by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find article contains this podcast and leave it right there in comments this segment of daily shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of luxembourg garbett kelly and george lgkg they represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need help with workers comp who filed for medical malpractice claims the attorneys at lgkg have been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's Just One Question comes from WPR who asks, question to consider, is there a running back who could be another team's cap casualty or free agent who's most attractive to complete the offense? Yes, those players do exist. I'm also here to express hope, though, that that's not the route that the Steelers take. Uh, running backs age like no other position on the football field. Give me an inexperienced, raw rookie who can run through people who has elite talent, running back talent, over someone who's kind of been there and done that but is 27, 28 years old, has miles on them, the studies are voluminous and overwhelming to support the concept that running backs do not last long. They reach a certain stage of their career where even if they've never had a history of being injured, all of a sudden they're getting injured. Where even if they've never had a history of decline, they start declining. Why? Don't overthink it. There isn't another position like it in all of sports, where everyone, 11 guys on the field, are looking to hit you. Think about it. There's nothing else anywhere that compares. One person has the ball. One person is the target. One person needs to be hit and thrown to the ground. And you can watch those guys jump up, off the grass and dust themselves off like it's nothing, but they add up. The bone pain adds up. The strain on the ligaments, particularly the knees and the ankles, all of that adds up. And let's never, ever minimize 
contact to the head and the impact that that brings. I'm looking for a draft pick. I'm looking for a draft pick. If that's a first-rounder, I'm all right with that. The Steelers pick 24th overall. Uh, even though there's no Saquon Barkley in this draft where you would say, wow, that's someone who's got to be a top five, top ten kind of selection no matter what you think about taking running backs in the first round. Najee Harris is a player that pretty much everyone agrees no one would bat an eyelash if he was taken in the first round. Same thing with Stephen Etienne. I mean, these are guys that are right in that range. Do you want to draft for need in the first round? No, that's usually a cringeworthy thing. But when it's this clear, and unless the Steelers see somebody falling in the first round at another position where they legitimately are sitting around the table going, wow, that guy is still there, you take that guy regardless of position, and then you figure out running back later. But otherwise, I would take the running back. If you do figure out running back later, Guess what? Then your scenario that you're talking about another team's cap casualty or free agent or so forth, guess what? They're going to be out there. Uh, Look over the last three or four summers how long pretty good NFL running backs were still available well into free agency's opening. Those guys are, are there. You can get them. You can try to make the most out of, I don't know, I I'm, I'm After the opening segment, I'm not about to give up on Benny Snell because now I'll sound like a hypocrite because Benny hasn't been around for very long. (laughs) And he's arguably more effective in his first two years than Bud was. But I'm not wild about Benny Snell there. I feel comfortable saying that. Anthony McFarland has barely had a chance. I don't know that anybody's ever seen either of them as being a, a bell cow type running back. But you can still get yourself a free agent. You can get yourself a free agent who can run the football, and then you can instead address the offensive line. I'm hoping for a running back through the draft. Good question. Uh, Thanks for that, and thanks to everybody uh, for listening, and we'll do this again tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.